starting a new series last week that we've titled Negotiate, How to Stand Strong in a Weak World. And I want you to lock in with me today. Last week we talked about what is truth and does truth really matter. And if you miss any of the messages, I would encourage you to get on our website, thecrossloganville.org. You can go to our messages. You can download and watch the video. You can also podcast us at thecrossloganville.org. That's who we are. And you can get all of our messages and just drop them onto your smartphone or whatever and listen to them. I would encourage you to stay up to date. Any messages that you've missed in the past, I think uh, what God is doing here is really beneficial for your growth and will cause you to grow deeper in your relationship and walk with him. So we want to see every person fully alive in Christ that comes here. But we're going to continue our series today on negotiate. Lord, I pray that every heart would be open for radical transformation. I pray that every mind would be open to contemplate and consider biblical truth. I pray that your spirit would have total freedom to minister in this room. I pray that your spirit would penetrate and saturate and permeate every heart that's in this room. Or some of my friends I haven't seen in a while, and I'm so glad to see them. Some people are visiting for the first time. We had so many in the first service. I'm so thankful. Some of our people have weathered through storms of difficulty recently, and they keep showing up wanting to hear from you and wanting to worship you and wanting to walk with you. We're so thankful. And so, Lord, as beggars who have found bread in Jesus, and as one beggar myself, Lord, I pray that you would, would, you would provide manna from heaven today for each and every one of us, that we would taste and see and eat from the table of the king and experience you. That's my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. I've concluded that every person that walked into this uh, room today has struggled at some point in their journey. I've concluded that all of us have jacked things up, messed things up, have not done things the way we wished we would have. I don't care if you're 15 years old, if you're 20 years old, if you're 30 years old, I don't care how old you are. We're all in the same fraternity of people that struggle. Deep down inside, we do want to do what's right. I believe the majority of us do. But we continue to have hiccups along the way, and we find ourselves struggling. And so I want to speak to you today as one fellow struggler to another, and I want to make it a living room conversation that we're all in this struggle together. When you study the scripture, Romans 9, 10, and 11, we read that God has grafted in the Gentile into the righteous branch of Israel. When he grafted us in, he grafted us into Israel. The name Israel, when you study scripture, means one who struggles and wrestles with God, but yet will prevail. I got good news for you today. If you belong to the king, you will prevail, but you will prevail with a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for all of us. All of us are trying to figure it out, and we're wrestling through various issues. Now, I want to talk to you today, and one word will kind of uh, uh, emphasize what we're going to kind of drill deeper in today uh, in our talk, and it would be the word discernment. Discernment. You will want to write this word down. David prayed in Psalm 119, verse 66, teach me good discernment and knowledge. Teach me good discernment and knowledge. This is for every person in this room. 
for every person. What is discernment? It comes from two Greek words. It comes from the Greek word anacrino as well as the Greek word diacrino. When you see the word anacrino, it would be wise to write this down. It's important for all of us to realize that we all desperately need discernment in our life. Anacrino means to examine, to scrutinize, or to judge closely, to take a a very close look at, to go through this examination uh, process where we're able to kind of uh, sift through really what is this. Diacrino means to separate as you investigate It means as you start to examine and judge closely, then you go through a time of investigating and elimination and separation where you'll know what you're really dealing with. I majored in criminal law when I was at Troy back in the 80s. I was fascinated with the the work of investigation at that time. Not necessarily that I want to be a cop, but at that time I was real fascinated with being a detective or to get into investigating work. I was, I was all fascinated with it. I remember taking these classes, criminal justice, criminal law, and all these classes, and I'm like, man, that's what I really want to do if I don't play baseball. I was ambushed by the gospel in 1985, and I went from being into studying law to being a recipient of grace, and it kind of changed my journey. But even if you were to come over to our house right now, and if you were to grab my remotes and turn on our TV, and you would go to my recorded shows, you would see about 15 to 20 episodes of the first 48. You would see another 10 or 12 shows of Justice Files, You would see forensic. And I'm all fascinated with not just the crime, but how do these guys come in as they mark off this area, and how do they examine this crime scene, and how do they start to extract tire marks off the dirt and shoe marks off the pavement, and as they start to look at the blood and the DNA, and as they start the examination, then what they do in the process is they start to eliminate They start to eliminate certain things that don't make the trip that are not pertinent, and then they start to focus in on, here's what we think happened. Come on. I was telling Mike, it's amazing when I look back on my journey that I had such a fascination with this area and how God now uses it, spiritually speaking, that when it comes to studying the word that I want to examine and I want to judge this book closely and I want to investigate to make sure that I handle the word accurately when it comes to the truth of the gospel. Discernment is an interesting word. A a simple working definition would be this. Discernment is the ability to determine and decide that which is right and wrong or that which is truth or that which is error. Make sense? When you start to move in discernment, what you're able to do is to differentiate and you're able to see good and bad and right and wrong and holy and evil and truth and error and you're going, starting to be able to discern. Uh, Discernment is being able to make careful distinctions between those areas that are black and white as well as what many people would consider areas of gray. There's not, many, there's not near as many gray areas as people want to pretend that there are. What, what, what there is is there's a, a lack of discernment and a lack of standing on biblical truth that causes a lot of people's reasonings to conclude that there's 
gray areas. First Thessalonians 5, Paul writes to the believers in Thessalonica, and these people were confused. When you read many of the letters of Paul, he writes to churches that were going through a time of chaos and confusion, if you will. And he writes to the believers here in Thessalonica, and he says, I want you to examine anacrino, diacrino. I want you to carefully examine everything. My buddy Scott and I were talking just here recently, and that word everything has been a theme for him. And I said, it's so funny, everything when it comes to discernment. Everything gets thrown into the sifter. Everything gets put under the microscope. Paul writes and he says, I want you to examine. I want you to discern. I want you to test everything carefully. I want you to cling to that which is good or hold on to that which is good. And I want you to avoid or abstain that which is evil. I want you to cling, which means I want you to personally possess that, that God calls good and let it be a part of your DNA. But I want you to abstain from that, which is evil. The word abstain was that of a a lighthouse, not allowing a ship to get close. He would say, no, 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 we're going to divert you, you're going to abstain from this area. When it comes to evil, he goes, that's what we should be doing. Air traffic controllers, no plane, you can't land on the runway of my thought process. You've got to abstain. Makes sense. Makes sense. So discernment in its purest definition would be this. It's thinking God's thoughts and it's seeing things as God sees them. Now, This must be and this has to be the standard by which we evaluate all things. We believe this book, the six books here, are canonized, God-breathed, inerrant, inspired by God. And we believe that this right here is our canon, if you will. Canonization was a word used biblically to what books would make it to the 66 we now have, but it became the standard. Canon is a standard. It is the measuring rod that you use to determine whether something's right or wrong or good or bad. Now, discernment is thinking God's thoughts. It's seeing things as God sees them. Now, we live in a day where it is absolutely essential for every child of God, everyone who professes and confesses Christ, to have discernment. Once we start to move into this, we no longer, we no longer recline ourselves just in philosophical thought and reasoning to the logical. We're now able to move to the theological Because when I got saved, a cool thing happened. God deposited the Holy Spirit within me. He said, you'll receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. I've got God's power. The hope of Christ in me is the hope of glory. And what he said happened based on Corinthians as well as Romans, I was given the mind of Christ so that I now can test and appraise those things to see whether they're of God or not. When I got saved, I was given the mind of Christ. If you've truly been saved, you've been given the mind of Christ. Therefore, I don't have to be conformed to this world any longer, but I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I can start to have God-style thinking. Makes sense. So God wants all of us to learn and, and move to this realm of discernment so that we start to reason in the theological and not just the logical, in the supernatural and not just the natural. Now, 
discernment, once you start, listen, listen, once you start to move into living a life submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, and you start to live under the umbrella of biblical truth and discernment, it creates conflict and tension. It creates conflict and tension because truth in its purest definition excludes. My name is Timothy Earl Cash. If you call me Bobby Boucher or Mike Monroe, I'm not going to answer because that's not my name. My name is narrow. Two plus two is four, not five, three, or seven. Truth in its purest definition is narrow. So in October of 85, when I cried out to Jesus to save me and save me from me and my stupidity and my sin and to save me to him, I I started meditating and pondering the scripture, but I wanted to honor God. I was given the spirit of God. I was given the mind of Christ. And about five weeks after I surrendered my life to Jesus, a couple of my buddies called and said, let's go to Jimbo's. Well, Jimbo's was a place in Noonan, Jimbo's Pub. It was a place that we hung out at. I really wanted to honor Jesus. I had told Jesus when I got on my face, I really want to honor you. I want to follow you. Three of the biggest demons I fought when I first got saved, I called them my three L's, but it was lust and it was language and it was liquor. My mouth was jacked up. I drank too much and I had major lust problems with the females my buddies called they wanted me to go to jimbo's and i told them that i couldn't go hey dude it's dollar picture night man we're gonna have fun and i had had fun at jimbo's on dollar picture nights before but i couldn't go and it created tension it created conflict with me because i wanted to feed my flesh but i knew that i wanted really to honor jesus And so when I told my buddies, I just can't do it. It wasn't because I was better than them. It's because I had come to know him. And he started showing me where my areas of weakness were that kept me from walking with him for so long. I'm talking as one beggar who has found bread to a bunch of other beggars who's found bread. I wanted to use discernment. Anybody been there? You ever had to say no to the flesh and no to the pleasures of the flesh and say, I I, I can't do that. I'll never forget my bus buddy back then, Jeff. Jeff passed away a few years ago, but his sister Lisa had come to faith in Christ and I wasn't walking with Jesus. I was more Van Halen running with the devil. But I remember her looking at me one time saying, do you want Jesus to come back and find you at Jimbo's? I was lost. That didn't motivate me to want to come to Christ. I figured if he came back, he was going to find me somewhere. At least I was doing something that gratified my flesh. I didn't have discernment. Once I came to Jesus, he goes, I want you to examine everything carefully. He would write in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Do not believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test is the same word that Paul uses for examine, 
anacrino, diacrino. It means test them. Listen to what he says. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Test, examine, scrutinize what you listen to. Here's what I've come to realize. Failure to discern between truth and error allows you to be gullible to all kinds of corrupt behavior and even false teaching. False teaching, when I start to entertain it, leads me to an unbiblical mindset. When I start to walk in an unbiblical mindset, not guided by the Holy Spirit, it results in a rebellious lifestyle of compromise and disobedience. What are you saying? Be careful who you listen to. Be careful with where you get your information. Be careful when you hear a person who can verbally articulate statements so well on TV as well as radio who may be a la carding scripture, taking stuff out of context and building an argument that's inconsistent with the holy theme of God. Be, be, be careful. Watch out because it's possible for all of us. C.S. Lewis in his book, Screw Tape Letters, said this, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. Casting crowns would sing, it's a slow fade. You go back and study the history of Harvard University, which is viewed as one of the top academic institutions in the world. Harvard started out on biblical principles. Harvard started out saying we exist for the purpose of training and educating young men and women that will take the gospel into the world. But if you look at Harvard today, the philosophy seems to have very little to do with Christ and his truth. But over the last few hundred years, it didn't go from where it was first originally started to where it's at now, just in a matter of moments. It was a slow fade. And each and every one of us are subject, if we're not careful, when we compromise just a little today and just a little bit more tomorrow, it's a gradual one. The safest road to hell is a gradual one. Lewis is right. Here, here's a reality. Most Christians today are not armed and prepared to do battle in the secular world of reasoning. They're not able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. And I want to make a loud declaration right now to say it's time for the church to be prepared and it's time for no more excuses amongst the redeemed. L listen, it is time even though we all struggle and even though we all battle and even though we all live in this fallen world, it is time for the redeemed of the Lord to say so. Yet with great reverence and gentleness toward others, it's time for us to drive the stake in the ground and to no longer be unequipped. It, it, we, we've got to grow up. We've got to move to discernment. And when I say this, I mean... It's time to mature, and I'll get to some of that in a bit. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, 
like what God speaks through Peter. He says, God in his divine nature, I want you to get this, has granted to us, granted, which means it is available to all. It is a free gift through the true knowledge of embracing Jesus. God in his divine nature has granted everything to us pertaining to life and godliness. Everything I need to do life in a way that pleases God has been granted to me. It's been given to me. I didn't have to buy it. I couldn't work for it. It's been gifted to me. Everything you need cash for life and for godliness has been granted to you. Listen to what he goes on to say. It's been granted to you through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Everything you need is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing equals completion. You will not find life apart from me. You don't need me plus a bunch. You just need me. You need to know who I am. You need to discover your identity in me. And once we start to move into who we are in Christ positionally, it starts to change how we act conditionally. Once I start to realize what God says and I start to walk in these precious, magnificent promises. That's what he says. So that by them, by, by, by them, what? By these precious, magnificent promises that he's freely given, you may be partakers of his divine nature, the very nature of God, the very nature that was manifest and exemplified in Jesus desires to be in you, the nature of God. Not a sin nature, not a corrupt nature, but a holy nature. I was born into the Adamic sin pool through the line of Adam. I was a sin nature driven person. Then I got ambushed by the gospel and I was given a new nature. That's what he's saying. You've been given a new nature. Listen to what he says. So that by them, these magnificent promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption and the lust that's in the world. God wants every one of us, even as we struggle, even as we try to make sense of it, every one of us to live a life of discernment that we can appraise, that we can investigate, that we can separate, that we can move into the things that are pleasing to God. This is teaching today. The key to a victorious life in Christ The key to living a victorious life on this planet is knowing Jesus, is knowing what Jesus says, then practicing these promises daily. There's no shortcuts to holiness. There's no shortcuts to discernment. So here's my question. Why is spiritual discernment so crucial? Three things. Number one, we live in a world that is flooded with evil. Wickedness and sin and turmoil and chaos and sin disrupted humanity at every level. We live in an evil world. We all do. And Satan is subtle and Satan is slick. And the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan wants to take us out. He roars around like a lion seeking someone to devour. Satan wants to take me out. And Satan wants to take you out. He's already fallen. He was kicked out of heaven. Satan wants us to live a defeated life or an ineffective life. That's what he really is after. 
Paul even writes to the believers in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 11, when he says, I'm afraid just as the serpent tempted Eve with all of his craftiness, I'm afraid your minds are going to be led astray from simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. I'm afraid that something is going to come in and cause you to get away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, Some men are out here now as false apostles. They're deceitful workers. They're disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. For even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. Don't don't be surprised. Don't be surprised if certain people are out there working that disguise themselves. What are you saying? Even amongst the evangelical community, you've got to stop. You've got to tap the brakes. You've got to listen. You've got to be able to sift through what's being said. Because right and wrong is not always obvious. Right and wrong is not always obvious. Sometimes it takes a bit to see what you're dealing with. People can come with great sizzle but not have any substance. You start asking questions and you'll find out a lot. Don't, don't check off on the person. Don't sign off on them real quick. Use discernment. It's not always easy. Discernment allows us, though, to move deeper in to this holiness with God. And what it does is it frees us from being able to be the bait for Satan in his traps. Satan wants to bait you. He wants to take you down. Why do I need discernment? Because one, I live in a world flooded with evil. Number two, because We must make choices every day. I mean, all of us are making choices and decisions every day. What drives those choices and decisions? What is the thinking process that I use that kind of causes me to think the way I do? Well, my core belief system will drive my thinking, and my thinking will determine my emotions, and my emotions usually lead to my actions. You want to know why actions are bad? You got to go back to the emotion, which is connected to the thinking, which is connected to the core belief. We've got to know what our core belief is. Now, there's a lot of decisions that you don't have a lot of time to think through. There's a lot of choices that come at you and you don't have all this time to run back and open up your iPad and do all this research on. I better have the base and the established set of God-style thoughts inside of me so that I can react or respond in the moment in such a way. Because we usually live in those moments in the overflow of who we really are. Tension and conflict exposes our values. And it can be good or bad, but when we go through it, we're going to have to make choices. And a lot of those choices and decisions that we make in the moment that seem somewhat harmless can absolutely bring about death if we're not careful. They can bring about death. I don't know what happened last night. My heart was broken. But this gentleman at Turner Field watching the Braves last night fell off this top 400 level all the way down to the 200 level and was pronounced dead shortly after at Grady. I don't know what happened. But I know in life, a lot of us love getting too close to the rail. And a lot of us like playing life too close to the edge. And a lot of us want to see how far we can push the standards of God. A lot of us just want to know what we can get by with. And so when parents come down on kids at times, 
you'll hear arguments like, well, I'm not as bad as, bad as who? What's your standard of measurement? I want to make sure my measuring rod is the gospel and my standard is Jesus Christ. I may know more than some of you. Some of you may know more than me. You're not who I'm playing life with. I'm playing it before an audience of one. I've got to make choices every day. He says in Titus, for the grace of God has appeared. God has poured out his grace, bringing salvation to all who will repent and respond and submit to it. Instructing us as he brings this gospel of grace, Mike, he is instructing us to deny ungodliness. I'm your life coach. You've got the peace of Christ. You've got the mind of Christ. He instructs us to, in, to deny ungodliness, to deny worldly desires, and to live wisely and righteously and godly in this present age. The grace of the gospel and the person of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me instructs me every day. I can quench the Spirit, but as I walk in the Spirit, I go, no, no. We were talking last night, a friend of mine and I were talking, and he's been trying to collect some of the dots of his story. He's been trying to collect some of the dots. And as he was talking to this one person in his life, the person told him, oh, well, 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 here's the deal regarding that guy. He didn't know any better. No! Call it what it is. He didn't choose any better. We live in a society where people want to deflect and deny and shift. And as long as I can say, well, I didn't know any better. I can't be held responsible. But some of us sit here today and we've made so many stupid choices. And it wasn't that we didn't know better. It's that we didn't choose better. And, and, and when it all is said and done, I'm going to stand before God myself one day. Not Barb and me, not Barb and Rachel and Benji and Jesse and Hannah and Caleb. And I'm going to stand there. Well, I just didn't know any better. I can't use that as a reason. Now, why is discernment so important? Because we're making choices and decisions every day. Who's making them? My 11-year-old, the 15-year-old, all of us. Come on. And we've got, Barb, she's got this written on the door. As you walk out of our kitchen, make Wise choices. W, right? Make. M. (laughs) Make. (laughs) Discernment. M. W. C. Right? What are we trying to do every day? With the Holy Spirit's help, what are we doing? Making wise choices. Using discernment. Let me move. Why is it important? It's essential for spiritual growth. The writer of Hebrews even says this, by now you ought to be teachers. By now you ought to be instructing others. But you need someone else to teach you even the basics of the gospel. Everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. He's an infant. Solid food is for the mature. Because of practice, because of practice, because of doing what God says, They have their senses trained to discern, to discern, examine, know what is good and what is evil. 
Age reveals how long you've been in the road, not how far down it you've traveled. Maturation is not a chronological thing. It is a surrender and submission and repentance thing. And I engage with people all the time. I've been saved for 30 years. Why are you still sucking garbage? It makes no sense. You ever meet people that do stuff and you look at them and you go, I thought they would, I thought they would know better, do better, be further down the road than they are now. You ever engage with that? I'm like, what are we doing? I will not grow. There's no shortcuts. I'm telling you. Let me close it. How do I develop spiritual discernment? Don't miss this. Come on. Don't miss it. How do I develop spiritual discernment? Number one, realize that you can't always trust your heart. Well, what did you do? Well, I had this gut feeling. All right, Bubba, I can't wait to hear this story. (laughs) Jeremiah 17 says the heart is deceitful. The heart is desperately wicked and sick. Who can understand it? But then he goes on to write, the Lord searches all hearts and examines the secret motives. You, You ever made that? Well, I'm just trusting my heart. Listen, trust his heart. Allow his heart to become the heart that you function with. What would you do? We we can't trust us. (laughs) We can't. We're all stupid. (laughs) Right? I'm not dealing with a bunch of high-level intellects. I'm dealing with fallen people in here. When I look in the mirror and I'm like, come on, man. Come on. But we're all in process. We do stupid stuff at times. Paul said this. I don't even trust my own judgment in 1 Corinthians 4. Paul, the guy that would write the majority of the New Testament, he goes, I don't even trust my own judgment. He goes on to say, it is the Lord who will examine and decide if I'm faithful. It is the Lord who waves my motives. It is the Lord who looks inside my heart. Which means every one of us in this room are weak in areas. We're fragile in areas. We hurt in areas. All of us do. We can come across like we're tough and bad and all, but we've all got those areas of weakness that break our heart. So realize you can't always just trust your heart. Number two, seek advice from godly experienced spiritual people. Who's really godly? I mean, the problem is my buddy Dean and his brother Derry were in town the other day, and he said, how many people... Can you really name that you say, godly, experienced, wise counsel, I could go to them? Steve Joyner, that's why we talk about it. It's so important, man, that, that we train up this next generation. Why? Because, again, you've got to be careful of who, where, and what you get your information from. Second Timothy addresses that. You can read it. Watching the movie Ragamuffin. Oh, I love that movie. But Rich Mullins, man, what a... A stud pioneer in the music industry, he was. Sing your praises to the Lord. Our God is an awesome God. All the stuff he wrote. But Mullins struggled with believing that God really loved him. Mullins struggled believing that God was totally for him. Yet Mullins penned some of the most magnificent, powerful songs out of despair. We were listening to it the other day from a soul. 
And Mullins, in his struggle, finally encounters a guy by the name of Brennan Manning. Brennan Manning has written The Ragamuffin and The Lion and the Lamb and The Relentless Tenderness of Jesus and Abba's Child. I love reading Brennan Manning because he gets the grace of the gospel. And it was only then with this experienced, spiritual, seasoned, godly man that it seemed that Mullins started really to believe that God loved him. But he had to hang out and be life coached by somebody a little further down the road. That's the reason we want you in small groups. That's the reason we want you discipled. That's the reason we want you involved in a life growth plan. You're helping these young boys right now. And we want to help people grow and mature. Where do you go? I'm going to a godly wise person. Three, refuse to accept things at face value. Refuse to just accept things at face value. Examine everything, everything, everything carefully. This means everything. Have you seen this cleaning product that is being sold today? It looks like fruit punch. It looks like fruit punch. That Fabuloso or whatever it's called. I'm looking at it going, a five-year-old walk into the kitchen. He's picking it up and he's going to start drinking it. Don't accept it at face value. There's a lot of things when you meet people, you hear statements, you'll go, I, I had to look at it. I was walking through the store the other day looking at all those products and I'm like, a blue little bottle that looks like Powerade is really window cleaner. I'm like, praise God for cataract surgery. I can see a little better now. <laughs> but for many of us, we just accept things at face value. I want you to hear me on this one. Examine everything, everything, everything. Everything means relationships. Everything means movies. Everything means the music you listen to. Everything means the games that you play, the video games, whatever. Everything means the apps that you download. Everything means the fashion statement that you make. Everything means everything. You compromise in this area, before you know it, you will be on the slippery slope of compromising in other areas. Discernment is absolutely essential. I've got permission to look at your phone, my 16-year-old boy, whenever I want to. Last time I checked, I paid the bill. If I want to look at who you're texting, what you're texting, what you're watching, I get to do that. Because I love you, not because I'm micromanaging. Because I love you. I love you. And again, like I said last week, the boomer mindset said, as soon as they become teenagers, adolescents, they're free to do whatever. No, they're not free to do whatever. They're, they're not wise enough to do whatever. They're not discerning enough to do whatever. What movies are you watching? What music are you listening to? What are you wearing? What are the apps? I mean, everything means everything. Four, avoid 
evil. What is evil? Evil is defined throughout the pages of Scripture. God tells us what is good. Good gives us a working definition of being able to determine and define what evil is. He says avoid or abstain from every form of evil. So again, as I said on the front side, I've got to know my areas of weakness, my areas of weakness. I've got to know the people that bring me down. We've got people sitting in here right now that are awesome people to hang out with, but some struggle with having a critical spirit. I think it's powerful that you've got a critical eye that you can see and discern. But when you have a critical spirit, you end up damning and damaging those around you. Be careful where you get your information. Be careful who you let around that table. Be careful hanging out too much with those that continually bring you down. Know where you've fallen in the past. Where has those potholes in the past been for me? We've all got them. 1 Corinthians 10 says, no temptation has taken you, but such is common to all men. But God is faithful and God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear with his spirit working in. He will provide a way of escape for you. So your struggle is different than my struggle. We've all got those variable areas of temptation What is my area of weakness? I need to avoid evil. Five. And this could be number one. Read, meditate, study, memorize the scripture. Know what God says. If you really are going to get to know who Jesus Christ is, you've got to get to know what Jesus Christ has said. Hosea says in chapter four, my people are destroyed because they have such a lack of knowledge. Hosea, the prophet, is crying out, and as he looks, he says, my people are being destroyed because they have a lack of knowledge. That is a commentary on the church in America today. People are being ambushed and destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, but all scripture is inspired, and it teaches us what's right, what's not right, how to get right, how to stay right. Come on. It's available to all of us. And so... Unless you make a committed effort, effort, effort to really want to know God and what God has to say, you open yourself up for a lot of turmoil. Six, how do I reach that place of developing discernment? Pray for discernment. It's that simple. Pray for discernment. James chapter 1 says, if any of you like wisdom, if any of you like discernment, Let him ask of God that gives to all men, all men liberally. It's one of my favorite passages. So you are a candidate for the wisdom and discernment of God, but you get it when you run to God and go, God, would you please give me wisdom? As you parent those little kids, you're looking sometimes going, oh my God, I don't know what to do with this. And all of us have got that going on right now. One of my sister's posted yesterday of this beautiful two-year-old artwork all over her wall. (laughs) Been there, right? Been there, right? And some of them, you look and go, oh God, this one's wired so differently. You may be at a crossroads in a snag. What are you going to do? If any of you like wisdom, if any of you like judgment, if any of you like discernment, stop and go, God, Would you please give me illumination and revelation right now? I desperately need it. Most of what we do in life is a result of overflow. Fill the tank. 
daily. Know Jesus, know his word, implement and practice what he says. There's no shortcuts to it. It's going to require effort. How does it start? The gospel is all about me radically repenting and surrendering to the Lordship and King of Jesus. And as I do that, I fall on my knees in adoration and prayer, and I start to dive into his word. That's what God wants for you. And so you want to be a discerning person. You don't want to be a fool any longer. You don't want to keep going down that trail of chaos and corruption. You don't want to. But you're going to have to be totally broken and repentant and say, save me and do a marvelous, amazing work in me. Is one struggling beggar talking to a bunch of other struggling beggars. It's possible and it's doable. Thank you, Lord, for this day. 